Welcome to episode 37 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, <laughs> anything new? Um, Not really. How about with you? School started this week, so I'm... Cried? Uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not fun. No, it's been really challenging. And I have a son. My son has a has several learning issues like dyslexia and things mm. that for students that need the extra attention, it's been very, very challenging for mm-hmm. him because he's small. Um, so that has been, he's been emotional. Yeah. He's been emotional, had a couple moments of just crying in the middle of the day. Mm. So, but we're working on actually finding, I, I've actually potentially found an Orton Gillingham specialist because they are like the people to work with children with dyslexia mm-hmm. and they're really hard to find. Well, that but, would be good. Yeah. So I have like a person who has a person. Nice. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Good. Because I guess it's something about hand movements. Okay. Where when they're learning like letter blends and other things, they, they move their fingers along while they do it. And somehow like with the movements, it lets it stick. Hmm. I don't know. It's a whole like specialized training. It's a brain. It's all the it's brain. All the, yeah. yeah. So well, I'm looking forward to that. I wish you the best. I hope that Thank it works you. out. I'm sure that it will, of course. Yes, I hope so. So I, I'm like really excited about it. Good. Okay. I can't wait to hear yours. Okay. So I'm going to talk today about Democratic candidate for the Kansas House of Representatives, District 37, Aaron Coleman. Oh. So this is a story that's kind of been happening for the last few weeks but this week he won this is the primary week uh today is august 23rd so he won the primary this week in this district but Uh uh-oh all kinds of things were happening leading up to the primary um to kind of what what, what's the word um not make him seem like he wasn't a good candidate. I don't know what I, I just railroad him. Like yeah, kind the whole of just thing. yeah. But he did some other things. There's lots of things that led up to this. But um, you know, primaries are very exciting. And when young people, he's 19. When young people win, wow, he's very primary, young. Yeah, and we're all excited about. Yeah. Oh, he's progressive. He's young. He he he's got great ideas. He you know. But <laughs> there's all these other things that come into this. I thought it would be a really good fun thing to kind of dissect and talk about so um he doesn't have a republican he's running against in november but there will be an election because the democratic party is going to support the 14-year incumbent that this kid beat oh and what so is as he a gonna, write-in i was gonna say he's yeah. gonna this they're gonna is, they're gonna support him as a write-in this is the problem yeah so that's, this is the problem with all of these parties right that they have their person that they feel like needs to be there. And it's like the people have voted. Yeah. The people have voted. And the thing about Kansas is, yes, it's the middle <sighs> of the country. We think about it being in the middle of this red belt, you know, in the middle. Okay. But Kansas is Democrats here have been making tremendous inroads in the last few years. They actually Ooh. have a Democratic governor. Uh, so they've been doing a lot of work and they feel like this could you imagine this race is going to derail that? Meanwhile, the 14-year incumbent is anti-reproductive uh, rep- rights yeah, and goodbye. votes against women's rights. Bye. So, I don't know. Let's get into it. We'll talk yes. about what, what was happening with this I'm sure it's, this there's a lot man. of ageism that is coming into There play. is, but there's other things as well, But I think which I think is a big, broader conversation that we need to have if we are Ooh. part of the Democratic Party. And uh, 
All right, so let's get into it. So 19-year-old Aaron Coleman grew up in extreme poverty. He grew up in Turner, Kansas, um, which is in Wyandotte County, which is where most of this seat lies, this this represents. He still lives there. He lives with his parents. His father was on disability because of severe mental health issues after he was serving in... um, Afghanistan. Mm. His mom was in school to become a teacher. And even when she worked as a teacher, she didn't make very much money, of course. Uh, For middle school, Aaron was having all kinds of problems. I've watched several videos, interviews with him. He does have a bit of a speech impediment, but I think there was some learning things happening. So his parents decided for middle school to keep him home and do online learning. I really think that's a great option for middle school because those are, I think, some of the most difficult years of school. Yeah. You're, you know, kid, they're hormonal, mm-hmm. everything, you know, kids are mean. It's just, they're kind of ironing out all of that, mm-hmm. how to be in the world kind of stuff. But as I will tell you, as my experience the last three days, which yes. has mostly been technical issues and school schedule changes without my knowledge, uh, my, my daughter got on school the first day we had her schedule and there was 10 classes there, not six. And oh, then we no. got on the next day and her entire schedule had new classes and new teachers. And then when we log- tried to log into those classes, some of them didn't have her, have her added to Teams yet because oh, they were unaware goodness. of it. Um, and so in the middle of the day on Tuesday, on the second day of school, I was on the phone with the magnet coordinator at the school. Like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> There's no class. The- we can't get into the class. So she missed two classes for three days in a row. Oh, no. Because Friday, they still were, one of the classes, she still wasn't added. Oh. So it's been a nightmare. And for a someone who is starting middle school, right? No, that's a lot of wants anxiety. wants to not be pointed out in the class of being like, oh, what are you doing here? Are you in this class? She's like, stop yeah. looking at me. Stop pointing me yeah. out. But yes, I agree that it's scary um, to start middle school, especially if you probably have issues like this young man did. But they need that thing that happens in middle school, right? A little bit. The social interaction. Yes. Yeah. My daughter just said to me yesterday, we were, we were laying in the pool trying to get over the last three days, like floating. <laughs> and she said, I wish I could just skip my teenage years. I said, no, 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 oh. no, no, no. I said, those are, this no, is what it is. Yes. This is what gets you through. Once you realize, oh, I've been embarrassed. I'm humiliated. Yeah. Oh, I got up the next day and I kept going. Like those are the lessons you learn as an adult. Yes. You understand that life keeps going and you have to have these teenage years. You yes, know? you have to have them. Yeah. They're, they're difficult. Right. But they'll, go, kids, they'll be kids, fine. I know. Kids, kids can be mean. They can be mean. I'm a middle school ugh. man. I know. Middle school is hard. I, I, my middle school was rough. Yeah. It was like fights every other year. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. I know. And everyone gathering around, <laughs> yes. like screaming, like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I mean, it was savage. Uh, it was like savagery. Yes. <laughs> it is. I remember I remember middle school oh, very goodness. clearly seeing that all happen at, at my middle school. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so anyway, so he's online learning, right? And um, he ended up going to high school for a couple of years before he dropped out and got his GED. He currently works as a part-time dishwasher, and he takes classes at a local community college. So okay. I mean, very much, yes. But very much like working class. Yeah. His family, I, I believe he has a brother, his parents, everybody still works to like contribute to the household, but they're still very much living in, in, in poverty, you know? And with his family still living in that way, uh, Aaron decided to run for office. He wanted to make a difference for his family, but also the people that live in District 37, which a majority of them live at or below the poverty line. Okay. Okay. So I mean, Aaron's that's a noble. Yes, reason to run. of course. Aaron's opponent was a 14-year incumbent Democrat, Stan Fraunfelter. Fraunfelter um, votes mostly 
along the side of Democrats, but there are certain issues like banning abortion in Kansas, which he continues to vote for. Um, and he's an older guy, and so he kind of doesn't get a lot of the movements that are happening now in the progressive party. So when you have younger candidates come in like what we see, they kind of start to shift. And it seemed, I know it seems like it's an extreme left, but it's really kind of where the party needs to go because we're in extreme times. Yeah. The environment is falling apart. Like Every, we need extreme deals, extreme, is, extreme things to happen. Yes. To, to, to save our, our planet, our, uh, everything. So, um, yeah. So from all appearances, the party really never paid attention to this primary because well, they saw Eric it as a kid. kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and neither did Fraunfelter. He never did either. And he raised about 10 times the amount of money that Aaron raised. I watched one campaign video on, on Aaron Coleman's, uh, you know, campaign p- Facebook page. And he was like, Hey, I really would love to raise $900 today to get to my goal of $1,900. Wow. And I was like, what? And he, all the money he raised was ten, twenty dollar donations, and but those Fraunfelter, are the donations that you want. Yes, and Fraunfelter got all money from PACs, yeah. and corporations. This reminds me of a, a not completely, but this idea of uh, people running. This yeah. happened down here, mm-hmm. where it wasn't until you know uh, endorsements were coming out. Yeah. I'm thinking of a particular school board race mm-hmm. that it, you know as things were getting closer to the election that the incumbent kind of realizing, oh, there's someone who's actually yeah. capable of running against me. And has me. raised more money than me. And, and, and then had like then had the little Yeah. You know. Then things get negative. Yes. Right? Okay, so Aaron ran on supporting the Green New Deal, supporting reproductive rights for women, legalizing marijuana. Let's go. And also taxing marijuana Yay. so the state could make money off of it. Um, ending private prisons and and supporting Black Lives Matter. He was out there during He's the Black Lives Matter like protests. wonderful things. Yes. Um, he did say something during the campaign. And I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> it's coming. But like he said this one thing during the campaign, which was an article I found, and I thought, it's not funny, but it's kind of like, this is a 19-year-old, right? He said, uh, during the campaign, he said that he hopes the Republicans don't wear masks so they get COVID and died. Uh, like, that's a 19-year-old stupid dumb thing to say yeah he also said something along the lines of like see how it turned out for your friend herman cain you know what i mean like he totally didn't it was trying to make a point but he's not going about it the right way no no as aaron's campaign started to gain more and more support posts started to appear towards around june so the primaries in august um about his past um now again he's how ni- much of a he's past 19, can he right. have he's exactly 19. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that very good point Tina. very astute so the accusations that were posted by a few women that were 18 19 Uh-oh. years old was that a few years earlier while he was 12 13 years old in middle school aaron had harassed these girls online and bullied them and participated in what is considered revenge porn against fellow students oh okay so the first woman said, now they're kind of, there's one woman who's come out and I didn't really want to name her, but they're, they're mostly, uh, not naming, I, I think they're like 18, 17, yeah, you know, so they're, they're young, they're, they're his, still young. Yeah. His contemporaries, yes, like yes. kids he went to school with. Yes. Um, she said, quote, Coleman call, was calling me fat, telling me to kill myself. <gasps> like I'm never going to find anyone. Like I'm worthless. Just downgrading me every day. She recalled in one message calling, he, ca- he called her a whale and urging her to go on a diet and get braces she attempted suicide in sixth grade because of this torment that she was getting from him. I mean, it's the, a lot. This, this the online bullying yeah, and the online, bad. because it's like with with these kids, 
they it's almost like a campaign because yeah. they will all sort of align together and then you have one child who is getting a barrage of all of this from everywhere. Right. Um, and for a young person, that's very difficult for them right. to handle. Right. So was he alone in this or was he sort I believe of everyone he was, alone. was doing this? No, I believe oh, so he was alone, him. which also, I'll get into this right after. Okay. Let me tell you what the other woman said, the second woman, then we'll talk about that. But um, the second woman said that Coleman had blackmailed her for nude photos <gasps> for five years. Ooh. He got one of my nudes and blackmailed me with it and told me if I didn't send him more, he would send it to all my friends and family. She wrote on social media, and the accusations were also repeated to the Kansas City Star. Um, and quote, and when I didn't send him more, he sent it to everyone I knew. I don't know how he got the picture. All I know is he's an awful person and should not be allowed to run for anything, end quote. So I also think about, I mean, he's this five kid, years. I know. Coming at her, asking her for more That's more. a long time. I know. If he's 12 or 13, that's leading up until he's 18. I mean, yeah. there comes a point. Mm-hmm. At I 13, you. 14, 15, you know yes. the difference between right and wrong. You know yes. that that is something that you shouldn't be doing. Yes, I agree. So when confronted by these accusations, Aaron admitted they were all true, which is like more shocking than anything. Yes. Okay. Because who does that? Yeah, no one. No one. The Associated Press asked Coleman about the details of the last allegation. He admitted they're accurate. In a June what? June post on Facebook seen by the Kansas City Star, Coleman also said that the accusations against him, which he described as, quote, bullying, revenge porn, and blackmail, were true. He said, I just want to make clear all these allegations are both true and occurred only digitally. I denounce these actions, and they were the actions of a sick and troubled 14-year-old boy. He said, I made serious mistakes in middle school, and I deeply regret and apologize for them. I've grown up a great deal since then. They call the past the past for a reason, because that's where you are supposed to leave things. At the point you shouldn't, at this point, you shouldn't move on for me. You should move on for yourself. Now, I know that sounds a little bit selfish, that last part, right? Yes. Because he has tried to reach out to these victims. He, um, people online who are like his supporters have tried to tell like these girls, like, gone after them mm, and he's no. like no 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 then you're not yeah. my supporters if that's something you're doing he's yeah. like he said in an interview like and they don't have to t- accept his apology they don't have to that, exactly they don't they don't, they don't have to, do to do anything. say anything that's right so there's so here's my thing like here's this kid who's troubled lives in a really messed up household he's not going to school because he has all these issues his dad has mental health issues they're incredibly poor um he's lost in this yes. system I'm not making excuses for him. Yeah, I'm no, saying no, no, like no. this is the situation is what it is. Okay? Well, he's saying at, at 14. The only thing I'm sticking on is that it happened for five years. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only thing that's sticking with me because. Yeah. When did that stop? When did it stop? Was it really five years? Like yeah. what, what was did, it? Did it stop at 14 or 15? Like did it start right. when they were 10 or 11? I can't imagine at 10 or 11 they're even. I don't know. Aware of I mean, this. middle school's 11, 12. Yeah. Or did it go through till he was like 16 or I, I don't know. I, I would be curious to know when it ended. Right. Um, but the five years seems like, like that just brings up other worries for me. Yeah. Right. That it's obsessive, that it's well, just. Yeah. And the thing too is like, is this somebody who, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say he's like an Anthony Weiner, but like <laughs> an Anthony Weiner is always like, oh, I made a mistake. Forgive me. Move on. You know, this is, this, he right. was an adult. This kid, yes. He's a kid. Yeah, and so I like, think where that where do we where do we move on and uh, 
forgive and like keep like I don't and know let, and let people mature and grow and I think yeah. that definitely I mean I think to some things that I've said or done at 12 and 13 that I feel awful about and because he's so young this is the only thing they can really point to yes. I mean it's a real thing yeah and it's, it's a, a real it's problem. A pretty bad thing yeah. And we all don't want to think that one of our kids can do something like this, but you know, th the times are what they are. And if, if mm. again, if we're not raising our kids a certain way or like really instilling in them some sort of values of how to respect other people. But even kids who are raised really well sometimes make really bad mistakes yeah. and, and get involved because this is kind with of what other kids are doing. Yes. Or Send me nudes. They, they don't understand that it's not, that's not a, a, we don't know. That doesn't make sense to us. We did not go yes. to school with the internet in our hands. God, like it did, I know, but like, who? we don't know what would have happened if, if we were in school and those kinds of things were happening. We don't yeah. know. I mean, it was bad enough in middle school where girls were labeled certain things where, mm -hmm. um, you know, there, that there was already invasions. I think we've talked about this before with like the bra snapping or other things that would happen. Right. I mean, that's so, it was, it's humiliating and embarrassing but yes. it's so tame compared to what these kids are going yes. through yes yes and girls what they're are seeing through. yeah oh, oh this so, is hard this is hard it's hard me. i know i know so um so all this stuff, stuff comes out before the primary and when the final tally of votes came in on primary night aaron coleman a dishwasher community college student was declared the winner of the democratic primary for the seat in kansas of how uh, the kansas house of representatives defeating the incumbent by 14 votes wow the final count wait till you hear this the final wow. count was 823 to 809 wow so it's like 1700 people voted this is why voting 14 matters. votes tina so the reaction to the primary win, Democrats had been, of course, like I said, making inroads in Kansas. Um, they hoped to capture more and more seats in the legislature to break up the Republican supermajority. So you would think that they would be like, great. Right. No. no. Mr. Coleman, uh, Aaron Coleman is not facing a Republican opponent, but Democratic leaders, including Governor Laura Kelly, have said that they are supporting Mr. Fraunfelter, who announced who is who he beat uh, in the primary on Tuesday that he that would he would run as a write in candidate in the general election against Aaron Coleman. Lauren Fitzgerald, the spokeswoman for the governor, said, quote, Aaron Coleman is not fit to serve in the legislature, end quote. And when they say fit to serve, are they. Is anyone alluding, because you said that he did have some learning issues and all of this, is anyone I don't, questioning? It could be anything, right? Like, that's the yeah. whole point of why, listen, it's a spin thing. Like, that could be anything. Yes. He's too young. He had this issue when he was a kid. He's he's not educated enough. Right. Like, it could be, it just makes him look bad. Right. And that's the whole point of saying and it that way. And that's the whole point. Right. And it could be, instead of looking at this as an opportunity of this young person that they could help train and guide Mm -mm. You know, they just don't want him. They don't want anything to do with him. Tom Sawyer, which is kind of funny, uh, the Democratic House minority leader, said he did not believe most voters in the 37th district in Wyandotte County knew about Mr. Coleman's past. The party plans to campaign hard on behalf of Mr. Fraunfelter, he said. Uh, he also stated, quote, I hope he can pull it out, uh, Fraunfelter, so I don't have to deal with this kid, end quote. Well, there's the ageism. Yeah. And um, so basically it's going to be a smear campaign. Yeah. And we're going to do this right. And so I guess we'll see right. in November. But here's my point is that, you know, we had the DNC convention this week and who's there front and center, but former President Bill Clinton, who has had accusations 
of against assault. him. Please. He was, he a, was if, a friend of Jeffrey Epstein on this motherfucker's plane all mm-hmm. over the world. So don't tell me shit. You allow, you prop people up in ways that is unbelievable. Our own nominee, Joe Biden, has had inappropriate things said about him. Yes. Not to, not a part as far as assault. No, no, but, but just, just like the, he, uh, you know, we've talked he, about it. Yeah, he gets in people's spaces. Yes. Not and, to mention, we just covered, you just covered Ted Kennedy. Like yes. we forgive and forget a lot of things that people do as adults. Yes. That men, these men do as adults. And so I really think that we have to take a hard look at this and think about who we are saying is appropriate and not appropriate. Right. Is it because, because it's, it's hypocrisy? Yeah. Then. And it's because this guy's your friend, this 14 year incumbent. Please. I mean, is it because. And, of, and if you're really about the party. Yeah. Then you're going to say to Fraunfelter. Yeah. What are you doing voting the way you're voting? Yeah. Right. Because that doesn't have all of your constituents. Right. right. Certainly the women are not protected. Right. Give me a break. So I don't know. I, 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 I have a heart. I don't, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to defend this, um, Aaron Coleman's behavior as a child. Uh, I do think there's some sort of forgiveness here that has to happen. And I think the party in Kansas needs to really, uh, and the party as a whole, needs to really take a look at itself because we can't point fingers across the aisle and say this person's bad, that right. Trump is bad, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. You can't, you when can't. When we do the same thing. I was here. thinking that with Trump, like, because that's a huge thing. We like, yes. I mean, did he, I think it was just yesterday he had to like pay out some money to Stormy Daniels, mm. you know? So, yeah, but then if you're going to excuse everybody else. Yeah. Then, how, then, how, then how do we have a leg to stand on? Why is Bill Clinton there also? Why is he there? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not, it's not okay anymore. It's not okay. And it wasn't okay when he was having an affair in our fucking Oval Office. That was, that pissed me off. Yeah. And it wasn't okay then. And that was a very young woman. And that no, wasn't okay I, then. No. And this, and, and all of the stuff that's coming out about him is not okay. Not okay. And he should not be there. Period. I don't care about the, your uh, past president holding these people up. Fuck I, that. I agree. It's gross. I didn't watch that part. And, it, and you can't say that you care about women. And that's no. why, and that's why these things continue to happen. That's why sexual assault and harassment and all of these move these the, Me Too can't happen until we really take a look at we're the good guys, right? And how are we going to? But start, we still protect men who right. are doing bad right. things. So you can't. Who are bad guys? Then they're bad. They're bad guys. So stop putting them up on pedestals. They don't belong up there. Yeah. There are plenty of really good men who don't do these things. Yes. So and, stop and, it. And, I also with the whole Clinton thing, I was like, nobody wants to see the Clintons anymore. Yeah. Like even when, enough. when Hillary spoke, I was like, Oh God. I, I saw she, a whole article the next day that was like, Oh, Hillary's a uh, sad return to the D sad. sad, but she didn't even, Please. I was, I was watching that and I was like, I, it didn't. And she just doesn't have, I think if she is in her natural element, she's probably like a much better speaker or connector. And she's a robot. It's a, it just, you know, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, this is the, why is she sitting there? The only time she felt real to me during that campaign against Trump was during the, the debate, the debates when yes. she would snap back at him. And yes. I was like, I'd be like, there's, there. there's a person, yes. there's a yes. human being right there. Yes. Why can't she, she's more relatable when she's honest and being and who she and being really who is. she is. Like I watched that and I was like, Oh dear God. Like, but she blames all you're right. But she blames all that on, on like, if you're a woman candidate, you have to be a certain way. I don't think no, that that's just true. Do you girl? Yes. 
Mm. That's why people like Anna Escamani are so amazing. Yes. Because they're just. AOC. Yes. Or Cindy Polo. Yes. Who's in uh, Miami Broward. Yeah. South, they South just Broward. come out and they, they are who, who they are. Yes. There's no pretense to anything. No. And they don't. They don't measure their words against what is this going to do for no. me as a candidate. It's like, here are the facts. And they don't ascribe to this is what a female candidate is. Right. Right. I can be fun. I can be. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm even thinking of, of the wonderful vice mayor of Hallanda, yes. Sabrina. I mean, it's there. It's refreshing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a little dance. All right. Let me get some coffee before you start. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's go. Not that they would. Woo! <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, but I, right. I laughed let's and laughed. It. And I just, I just, I tell you that I, when I work on it, I, I sometimes like imagine you <laughs> and, and I, 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 then your beautiful laugh and it, it like, it pushes me through sometimes because I'm like, oh, Hillary. <laughs> okay. So today mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the story of former president Lyndon B. Johnson. Ooh, racist motherfucker. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, and I'm going to touch a teeny bit on that. Okay. However, <laughs> look, we're the muck. Yes. And today's story, I just, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I'm really focusing on a kind of ridiculous thing with this president. That okay. I didn't realize the scope. Okay. Of how far this went with this okay. guy. So there isn't really a crime per se. No. It's definitely inappropriate. Yeah. It kind of piggybacks off of what we were just talking about. Okay, well, let me ask. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you think, because Johnson was Kennedy's VP. Correct. Okay. Do you, you know, there's all these conspiracies with Kennedy's uh, murder. Do you think that he, or assassination. Oh, like if one of the that angles that like that was Johnson. Yeah. I don't think so. It was so. in Texas. You know, that was yeah, the whole I mean, thing. that was his like, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I just think this guy is just, uh, he is just such a gross dude. Yeah, no doubt. So, Lyndon B. Johnson mm-hmm. assumed the presidency after John F. Kennedy's assassination and became known for his domineering personality uh, that was called the Johnson Treatment. But when he also threw his penis around as much as his attitude, mm-hmm. Johnson's Johnson garnered attention as well. Are you kidding? <laughs> Is this yeah. for real? This is... I didn't know this. This is so crazy and funny to me, this story. So it takes place primarily in D.C. It's 1960s Washington. And so there's like this attitude of a man's man. And he is like the epitome. Yes, yes, yes. Of like this, this you know, gruff, yeah. macho, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And because he's a white, powerful man. yeah. He could get away with all of this. I just you think know? about Johnson. He was tall, right? Yes. He had that slicked back, like he put that shit in his hair that slicked yes. his hair back. And, and he had like the jowls and like, yes. you know, like. But even he, he was Texas. He's really yes. thoroughly Texas. So he's, he's got that really thick accent. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and Lady Bird was Oh, his poor wife. Lady Bird. I know, but I, isn't that the greatest name, Lady Bird? Yes. And good movie, by the way. Great movie. Poor but. Lady Bird. <laughs> so before I go into details about his Johnson. I want to talk about <laughs> the Johnson treatment. I had so okay. much fun with this. Yes. All right. So I'm giving, so I want to just tell, say this at the, at the top. I am not going into his 
you know, presidency. I, I'm really focusing on okay. the Johnson treatment and his Johnson. Like those are the two things that we're focused well, on. In this I episode. would say that that would be enough. <laughs> it's still yes. the episode, but I wanted to just talk a little bit, you know, um, a teeny bit about the background. So he earned his first Senate seat in 1948. He later became the democratic whip in 1951. And as a whip, he had to be tough. So for those who may not know you, we hear this, like the party whip, like what is that? And it's just basically the guy that keeps or girl that mm-hmm. keeps the party in line. Yes. And you know, you got to show up to your meetings, you got to vote, we're voting, you know, making sure that the that people are doing what they're supposed to be and doing. And they're voting the way they're supposed and to voting vote. Voting the way they're supposed Which to vote. Which is why what's his name had such a hard time when the tea party came in. Yes. Um, Boehner. I don't think he was the oh. whip. He was the majority leader, but he had such a hard time because oh, these tea tears. party fucks, they, yes. wouldn't come, they wouldn't come along yes. for the ride. Oh, God. Uh, and I would also reference as a minority whip or majority whip, uh, go watch um, House of Cards. House of Cards, yes. That's, that's this, all I think of. Kevin when Spacey I, was the whip. Yeah, and now, and I he's, mean. Now he's, oh, by the way, also a friend of Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Ugh. Okay. It's a shame because... I re- there's so many movies of his that I love and it just, and that's the, again, like the art versus the artist versus the person mm. that he is like, can you still watch that stuff? Anyway, let's get back to the Johnson. Yes. So he would utilize this, his aggressive personality to sway people into doing what he wanted. And it worked for some historic pieces of legislation, like the civil rights act mm-hmm. of 1957. Yeah. So a couple of things that he worked on when he was president he called it the war on poverty and he got millions of people above the poverty line. Mm. Um, he developed what was called the great society, which worked on expanding, um, you know, Medicaid, Medicare funding, ex- uh, education, fixing infrastructure, stuff like that. But, you know, we can't forget his role in escalating Vietnam, which mm-hmm. led to so many American deaths and that underlying racism that was there as yes, well. Yes. Going into the Johnson treatment, Wikipedia cites Evans and Novak's biography of Johnson, which describes the Johnson treatment this way. And I've included a link to the biography in our notes. So you can actually rent this book online and like read through it. It's really uh, interesting. It gives some interesting detail, but this is how they describe the treatment. The treatment could last 10 minutes or four hours. It came enveloping its target at the Johnson Ranch swimming pool in one of Johnson's offices in the Senate cloakroom on the floor of the Senate itself, wherever Johnson might find a fellow senator within his reach. Its tone could be supplication, accusation, cajolery, exuberance, scorn, tears, complaint, and the hint of threat. It was all of these together. It ran the gamut of human emotions. Its velocity was breathtaking, and it was all in one direction. Interjections from the target were rare. Johnson anticipated them before they could be spoken. He moved in close, his face a scant millimeter from his target, his eyes widening and narrowing, Mm. his eyebrows rising and falling. From his pockets poured clippings, memos, statistics, mimicry, humor, and the genius of analogy made the treatment an almost hypnotic experience and rendered the target stunned and helpless. Holy cow. What a beautiful description of what this thing was. Dang. But this is what he did. And we'll have pictures online where, I mean, he he gets in someone's face, these photos where he's just like looming over them. The thing that kind of struck me about that is there's almost like this admiration sort of tone with this description. But and this near like poetic treatment of the mm. way, I mean, the writing was just very good, but the scant millimeter away from the, and the use of the word target, it's like he, you know, um, 
he didn't allow anyone to escape. He preyed on the person. And the thing that was really interesting is um, he would tell his team, your judgment is only as good as your facts. And so he was a fact finder. He would mm. get everything he could about his target. Right. What are they like? You know, um, what are they into? What, um, you know, their favorite things, the things they hate. Like he would do this sort of global understanding of the person and it would change from person to person and he would craft his attack. Wow. It was really cool like that he had this ability. Mm. Um, It was just, you know, and as he kind of moved forward as a senator and then running for president and then getting the vice presidency and then assuming the presidency, like he kind of honed this tactic like throughout his career and it got pretty intense at time. But for me, it's like very invasive. You know, and it's almost, it feels very bullying to me. Like he was a bully. Of course, yes. Like this is what he was, but he, he was a bully who was skilled and intelligent mm. with his powers of persuasion. And that people, like, and it, it said at one point that, um, you know, he would lean in to unnerve them. Yes. And that anything that he, that they could say, he anticipated what their argument was before they could even say it. So like it left no room to even debate. Right. So I mean, he was in the, the right line of work. That's for sure. Yes. So, you know, that's there's this just theme of like dominance and ambition like that's permeating everything with this guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wicker writes in The New York Times after Johnson's death. Um, he wrote from his personal point of view, this this um, journalist wrote how he fell victim to the Johnson treatment. And he discusses that when uh, Johnson was like recently elected or not, I'm sorry, when he had assume the role of the presidency, like after Kennedy's death, like he mm-hmm. had known him as a senator and he was like, hey, can I, you know, get an interview with you? So he goes to uh, the White House and he's in a barber's chair, Johnson. And he's got the, he's got the, um, like the cape, the cape over him. And, and, and someone's like, you know, cutting his hair, doing whatever, shaving him. And that when he walks in the room, Johnson's just staring at it. He doesn't say anything, just like this cold stare. And so, uh, just silent mm. and he's like hey i'm here to interview you and he's you <laughs> oh know, no you're and, tr- and like John's a deer in the headlight yeah, like and John's no just staring oh no and so wicker explained quote i was quickly intimidated unnerved reduced to a sort of nothingness by those unblinking eyes that jowly familiar face turned implacable that motionless form under the barber sheet sheet the brooding silence in which i was being regarded or perhaps measured and he concludes by saying that he just shrank away. He was like, okay, and like left and like didn't get the interview. Like oh he was so God. intimidated by this guy that he said, I had talked to him before. Like it had been fine. And then like in the room, like it was this whole different thing. And he just, you know, like, oh my gosh, like Could you imagine crawled being off. able to do that? I would love <laughs> and to he, be able to do that. I know, people. right? And then he's here. Uh, remembering it years later still like it still was like still such a powerful feeling of uh, feeling uncomfortable right so according to uh, the history collection johnson used the treatment as a way to establish a male dominance over others and the article now this is some stuff that i was like what in the world was he doing (laughs) so um i felt like it was very shocking but some ways that he would use the treatment he would continue conversations from the bathroom. So like, he's talking to you. He would go in the bathroom, leave the door open. Yeah. And yeah, do yeah. all his business. Number one, number two. Yeah. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like this was his thing. 
And once he even made someone come in while he was sitting on the toilet that the guy almost tripped and like fell in his lap. Like that's how he's like, get in here with me. And it's it, so it's so disgusting. It's disgusting, but it's like dismissive of like oh, you are there's a lower. No shame. There's no shame. You're like you're oh. lower than another. Like anything, yeah. you're lower than me. You're gonna yes. watch me shit while yes. I talk to you about policy. Yes. Oh God, could you imagine? And uh, history collection also stated that he would stop and pee in various spots. So so sometimes he would be like <laughs> in a parking lot and he would just take a piss, or if he was at the Texas ranch. And the Secret Service were like, this is annoying because now we have to get out because we still have to protect him. And he's just yes. walking out in the open to take a pee. Like, they have to stand around him. Wow. So, you know, there they are while he's pissing. And this one um <laughs> It's article, so childlike, well, you know? Yes. Um, in History Collection said that one day, like, it was really windy. Oh, no. And so the Secret Service is getting piss all over his no. leg. And he's like, you're peeing on me. And Johnson turned to him and goes, well, that's my prerogative. <gasps> Oh my god! And what are you gonna say? It's the president. Oh my god! Like he's a jerk. Yeah, no, no, I mean, jerk. Yeah. Oh, the guy is crude. He's domineering. He's just, but he's like compelled to show off his power. He's like, I want to show you. Yeah. Like how powerful I am. So let's get to the meat of the story. Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! So apparently, all of this had to do with his penis and Johnson may in fact be an early example of BDE because apparently oh he was very according to him well endowed and he would show everyone to say hey check it out well okay so listen I did not know what BDE was until a few months ago like well no it's probably so a year ago a year ago when we were having a conversation with one of our friends I'm yes. like who will remain nameless <laughs> And she started talking about this BDE this person had. And I and I said, what the fuck is BDE? Yes. Big dick energy. Yes. I did not realize that. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yes. That when men walk in with this bravado or like just this confidence, it's because they have. Some of them. Yes. Some of them, they have BDE. I and feel you, like. You had to give her a, 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 you had to say to her. Be careful, because you had your own story about somebody with BDE, <laughs> and it was hilarious. And I was like, she goes, and you said, I was felt powerless. It was the BDE. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I said, this is, this is crazy. Yes. This is a crazy thing, but. It's a crazy it's thing. It's a real thing. But it's this, a real thing. BDE completely explains everything about, about President Johnson. I mean, even his yes. name is Johnson. I know. So, he would show his Johnson to Everyone, reporters, staff, you name it. Ugh, what a, what a yes. fucking pig. So here are some highlights oh God. <laughs> of Johnson's obscene behavior. So when he was, I believe it was from his days in college, he had named his penis Jumbo. Oh <laughs> my God. Yes. And according to Keyes' book on euphemisms, uh, Johnson, when returning from dates in college, used to say to his roommates, Jumbo had a real work workout tonight, guys. Oh my god! Like gross, Tina. I cannot. Jeez. I can't stop giggling. This is our present. I know, but I can't stop giggling because I think about like, look, I don't have a penis. I don't know what no, it's like. I don't to know have what a penis. Like, yeah, but like, it god. just seems like such a they just, burden. <laughs> I know, but they love them so much. Oh my god! But they uh, love their penises so much. They got to give it a little name and yeah, everything. They got to give it a name, Jumbo. It's kind of a little cute, name, but it's also like. Yeah. So ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, and allegedly, <laughs> according to all that's interesting and a few other sites, that while president, 
He showed his penis to a staffer saying, have you ever seen anything as big as this? What the fuck? That's what he did. What is he doing? What is he doing? It's just such a childlike immaturity to this person. The thing is, I get it was the 60s. However, like how did this, how did this go on? I don't know. How did the reporter or, or the staffer, how did no one write an article saying, because just, this is a time when they don't talk about those kinds yes, of things. Yes. It was not, it was, it would be. Well, he apparently did. Yes. But like <laughs> the people who would report yes. it, they'd be the ones who would be told like, how, how, how dare, dare you just, tell the yeah. story oh my about God. the president? You know, it would it never is, be about the president yeah. maybe doing something it's wrong. It's wild. It's wild. Oh, he's so proud of his Ugh. penis. Is there Ugh. any indication of how big? I mean, what are we talking here? I don't know. Baby arm? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Third leg? I don't know. I love uh, it. So, this is my favorite. Thing oh, ever. my God. So, according to a CNN article, which cited Cormier's uh, Johnson's uh, biography, LBJ, The Way He Was, Johnson, while speaking to reporters on Air Force One, mm-hmm. he's on Air Force One, Talking to reporters uh-huh. starts to undress. What? Okay, starts just starts taking his clothes off. Took off his underwear. What? And kept talking to reporters. Quote: Standing buck naked and waving his towel for emphasis. In yeah, front, there's something. There's the, something. There's what, something wrong here. It's a very maybe this he is, had a naked house growing up. Maybe he lived in a naked home. You know, some people. Now, have this is. I think he's just like. What are they gonna do? Right? Yeah. I don't know. Like he just it he sexually harassed an entire plane yes of people of reporters and they're they're taking notes and and nothing about this i guess uh i gotta tell you but (laughs) to be honest with i'd rather have somebody doing this than what we got right well i mean yeah i mean mean, now we're at the worst extreme that you could have yeah according to (laughs) cummins's political article once once when johnson was asked (laughs) By a journalist, why America was in Vietnam. Why are we in Vietnam, Mr. President? He took out his penis, (laughs) pointed to it, and said, that's why. What? (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? It means. Like, because I'm, like, I'm, that's, this, I'm saying it, and that's why, like, here. Yes, because of my big dick energy. Oh, I can do what I want. I can do what I, this. Can you, Holy shit. But can you can imagine? We, but imagine this, Tina. <laughs> imagine what this world would have been like just even right now if Johnson had a small Johnson. It would be what worse. Would it probably would have been worse. You know what I mean? But but would he have yes. ever had that confidence? Would he ever get in people's faces? Like no. would he ever have been president? I don't know. You know, I are, feel are like saying, I feel like on either end of the spectrum, if it's bigger than small, is dangerous. Yes. And I gotta tell you, <laughs> are we saying that we have cracked the code on how you get elected president? It's a dick size. Oh, this is what gets him to the Oval Office. You think so? No, Maybe. because look, no, Trump's got oh, those Trump's tiny, got hands. A tiny penis. That's right. Yeah. But mm. remember, small code uncracked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is insane. This is. But insane. was he? So I don't want to like jump ahead. But was he? Was he fucking other people? Or? We're gonna get a little I mean, bit. He's got to be doing something. We're gonna with get this a thing. little bit to that. Okay. Yes. Like I, I mean, basically, like every other president. Come on. Yeah. So uh, Makarachi's Vanity Fair article citing another book uh, by a Brower, The Residence Inside the Private World of the White House, reveals that Johnson wanted to have a special shower nozzle installed in addition to the standard nozzle. 
Um, and he wanted a, a special nozzle that was pointed directly at his penis. What in the fuck? <laughs> Tina, stop it! Stop it! I swear to God. Couldn't, this is all I know. This is all that's happening in my head right now is that I just imagine like, okay, this guy's so fucked about his penis, but his mother has something to do with this. Something. Like, maybe his mother was like, oh, Landon, you have yes, the most beautiful uh, penis. I don't know. I don't What was know. happening in that or maybe, house? Or maybe... Maybe he just didn't even realize and then maybe went to college and, you know, uh, or joined a football team and, and realized, holy, ew, I thought everyone was like me and not. So this is something special. I don't know. Or every time he takes it out, women go, oh, my God. Yeah, like, I mean, it's us. It's our fault. We probably, have done this to this person. Probably. There's Damn it. definitely going to be some shocking reaction, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Witnessing something like Jumbo. So when he was told that it would be really, really expensive and complicated to complete this request. We can't make a shower just for your penis. Well, they did. No! They did. But allegedly he referenced Vietnam saying, if I can move 10,000 troops in a day, you can certainly fix the bathroom any way I want it. <laughs> wow. Tina, this is, this is crazy. Yes. Come on, man. And then here is, this is a great, uh, I really like this part. In all that's interesting article discussed a recorded phone call where Johnson spoke with a tailor asking for some oh, extra yes. room in the crotch. I've heard this. Have you heard this? Yeah. And he said, uh, and another thing, the crotch down where your nuts hang <laughs> is always a little too tight. Followed by, see if you can't leave me an inch from where the zipper ends round under my back to bunghole so I can let it out if I need it. <laughs> he needs and in accent. the middle of that, he's like, he lets out a huge burp. <laughs> He needs easy access to show the reporters, Tina. Yes. He's like, and like whip it out. Yes. And apparently he also was known for like always adjusting himself. They like, there's yes. a lot, you know, he's always grabbed, but because, yes. and, but maybe, maybe in standard pants, the crotch area was a little too small and couldn't, couldn't, uh, you know, he needed a little room, need a little room down there. Uh, uh, I'm just, I, I'm stunned. I know. So some points of interest. So what I found out and never really heard about before was the number of affairs Okay, that Johnson had. And so we always hear about Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And um, according to Dalek's article in The Atlantic, Johnson was a, quote, competitive womanizer. Mm. And this is the best thing, though. I mean, so he's this womanizer. And we're going to get into there. There is uh, an allegation that's pretty horrible, mm -hmm. but um, allegedly he would get upset when people talked about Kennedy's action, like because Kennedy was always getting all these women, oh, and, and he would bang his hand. So uh, this is I'm going to quote here: "Bang the table and declare that he had more women by accident." than Kennedy ever had on purpose. What in the world? So he was like, I'm, you know, I'm sick of hearing about Kennedy and all these women. I have had more women than Kennedy. Right? Oh like, my so, God. And he was like this older guy. It's so gross. Yeah, but women are, you know, know. they trip over themselves to get, to get that close to the And president. a New York Post article, and I get it, it's the Post, but I still found it interesting, noted that Johnson allegedly only had young, beautiful girls on his secretarial staff and that he would often request women from a particular establishment in Texas, apparently the one written about uh, that became the play, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Oh, my like he would gosh. have women come in from there. Another issue that was shocking and horrific to read about was an account by Carl Rowan in Buffalo News. Rowan claims that when he led the U.S. Information Agency in 1965, 
a female White House employee, mm. told him about an incident at Johnson's Texas ranch. And this is horrible. Allegedly, Johnson entered her room, shown a flash, like this small, like little pen light in her face and said, move over. This is your president. And she moved over out of fear. She never uh, formally reported the incident and instead requested a transfer. And it just makes me wonder how many other women. Yes. He did this to. This is not good. So. You know, it's one thing to, you know, be a womanizer and like hook up with uh, many women. And he he had a long time affair with someone else. And his wife, I think, was sort of aware of what he was up to. Um, I don't know how much she liked it. But, you know, it's one thing to have consensual affairs. It's another thing if you're doing things like this. Mm. And then even having like this, the, the full uh, staff of secretaries that you've picked to look a certain way. It's very disgusting. And another disgusting revelation was that though he put through the Civil Rights Act to continue what Kennedy began, he supposedly would throw around racial slurs. Yes. Um, and so I think know, that's, that's on tape too, right? Yes. I think, yeah. Yes. And I didn't want to go into like Mm-mm. what he said. And then that's pretty much it. And I wanted to add a bit of clarification because... Um, and this is the language nerd in me because we do use the term Johnson (laughs) for Johnson, but it does not come from Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, It's actually is a slang term that's been around for a really long time. And there are a couple of different theories as to where it began. Um, It could have been as early as 1863 as a break off for the British slang term, um, John Thomas, or according to Keyes, he suggests it may come from a 1930s railroad term for a particular break called Johnson that was like this large break. <laughs> um, and another uh, lexographer, um, Partridge, believes that the term may originate from an abbreviation of Dr. Samuel Johnson, um, quote, because there was no one Dr. Johnson was not prepared to stand up to. Mm. Um, but I don't know. So those are like the three things, but it does not come from Johnson just in case, because I keep saying Johnson's Johnson. (laughs) But that's the story of Lyndon B. Johnson's big ego. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely horrifying. I mean, so insane. Crazy. I can't believe that this kind of thing was happening and nobody was saying anything. And no one was saying anything. And it's not till I I never heard this about him. Pulling it out. I had heard. No, no, come on. I, I getting naked. Um, Oh my gosh. Um, I had heard that he, he, you know, um, was sort of this looming figure, but I had never really heard, um, the, you know, how obscene he was. Wow. It's crazy. This would never happen today. No, never. I mean, thank God. But think about all the things we know. What is it? What's this? There, there have to be a ton of things that we don't know. Yes. There has to, I, you know, I mean, think about what we don't know. If we know everything that's out there now, what do we don't, what, what don't we know? Yes. Uh, I mean, there's got to be so many more well, incident I mean, sayings. Ugh. Yeah. But yeah, that was it. I was like, I have to. And I know like there's all these other issues with his presidency, but I was like, I just want to, it's the muck. We're going to just focus on something Love ridiculous. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Tina, that was really good. Oh my god! And I just wrote down as you as we were laughing. I'm writing down possible titles for the, <laughs> this episode, and they were all like, "I'm running out of room of what to write down." Because we were Yay. laughing too, too oh much. Oh my god, it's so ridiculous. Oh, I love it. So let's see. When does this episode come out? Um, let me see. A couple of weeks. 
September 9th. Yeah, so Ooh, we've got all kinds my of brothers' birthday. Is it? Oh, yeah. happy birthday, <laughs> Robert. Yeah, that right. Oh, I, call, yes. I got it right. I call him Bob. Bob. Bobby. I had a boyfriend in high school, Italian. Oh, and his he, he was a Robert, and we called him Bob. <sighs> Young this, love. I know. My daughter was just asking me about boyfriends and all this stuff, and all, all the people I had crushes on, and. So I was fun to talk about. I was watching um <clears throat> my my older son is a big soccer kid and he will just watch clips and clips and clips and so he was watching clips of goalie like the best goalie saves uh-huh. and you know Buffon is there from you know the Italian team the Italian goalie. Hold on, let me look this guy up. And well, and it, listen. <laughs> I have to, I just have a love for him cuz he's been around for a long time, but Buffon I go, oh, look at Buffon. He's kind of cute. Uh, in th- this early clip of him, he's in his 40s now. But um, my son, my younger son goes, <gasps> oh, yeah, he's cute. Oh, honey. My younger honey. son goes, wait, do you like him? <laughs> and I said, I just, I just think he's cute. And he goes, but do you like him like him? I thought you like like daddy. <laughs> and I said, no, I do like like daddy. I said, but I can still think someone's cute. And. And he goes, you're going to have to marry daddy all over again. <laughs> and I was like. I'm constantly saying that when somebody cute comes oh, on, on the camera. I go, oh, hello. That's yeah. why I was saying. The kids are like, ew. Oh, my yeah, God. That's so funny. What's happening over here? Hello. How and I was like, you? listen, it's Buffon. I'm allowed. Oh, yeah. But anytime really we watch cute, the. Tina. Listen, we watch this, these soccer mm. and some of these soccer players. I'm like, hey. Honey. All the time. And, and my oldest son is just now like, ugh. <laughs> you know, because he just wants to watch, like, you know, the, yeah. the saves. And I'm like, oh, hey, who's that? What's his name? <laughs> I'm a fan. Yes. <laughs> he looks yeah. like he has BDE. Ooh! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I know. Crazy. Good stories. All right. Well, I will see you next week. On the flip side. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. And it was in a most imposing art. Like her ability to play up this emotion. I, I was affected by it. Yeah. The way that she was seemed to care. And then my vanity made me believe that she really loved me. Come and, on, and Hamilton. My penis accidentally yes. went into her vagina. He allegedly had sex with his then-wife, Rita Jenrette, a Playboy model, behind a pillar on the steps of the Capitol building during a break in a late-night session in Congress. No! Yes. Oh, my God.